Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're going to talk a little bit about being at anchor. So we're not going to cover, you know, the ground tackle or any of the, the details about actually anchoring and setting that anchor. We're going to pick up with what happens once that anchor is set and the things that you need to consider and plan for ahead of time for that time while you're at anchor. Our guests are Karen and Scott Duvall of Capable Cruising and we'll bring them in in just a moment. First, I want to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And speaking of businesses that support the Great Loop, Scott and Karen Duvall of Capable Cruising, thanks for joining us again. Well, thank you for having us, Kim. Thank you. And for those of you who don't know Scott and Karen or didn't listen to one of these previous podcasts that they were on, they are gold loopers and uh, they have turned that passion into a business. They are now capable cruising. So they do deliveries and uh, training and a taste of the loop where they bring you aboard their boat to try out the loop for a few days. And we're appreciative of their sponsorship. While they were on their loop, they anchored for well over 100 nights. Uh, so they're going to talk to us today a little bit about being at Anchor. So Scott and Karen, first of all, thanks for being here. And as I said during the intro, um, we're going to kind of pick up with some of the things you need to plan for or consider for being at Anchor. Um, so let's kind of start with one of the first things that you will most likely do uh, once the Anchor is deployed, and that is the Anchor Alarm. So talk, us to, talk to us a little bit about Anchor Alarms. You know, what are they and how do you use them properly? Well, sure. Um, you can have anchor alarms, uh, a, a lot of your um, multifunction displays, your charting um, on your chart plotter have anchor alarms. We tend not to use ours because uh, our chart plotter is up on the flybridge and uh, we can't hear it if it goes into an alarm mode. So we use an app based and the app that we do use is Anchor. We used to use one called Drag Queen. Yes, it was Drag Queen. Uh, I don't think it's available anymore. No, but we love the name. Yeah, and and there are there are many other uh, apps. Uh, just tr try them out, see uh, see which ones you like, and we've kind of settled on Anchor. It's worked out well for us, and that's all it is is Anchor. Um, in order to to use it, um, we open the app, and as the anchor is being deployed, um, I push a button, and that tells by GPS where the anchor is, its position. Then as we back away from the anchor um, to let out road and then we set the anchor, it records how far that's been and it allows us to set a distance that we can swing around the anchor without it going into an alarm. Um, and that's, that's all adjustable and you know done differently with different apps. Uh, one of the things I would uh, caution is don't use an anchor alarm as a replacement for good anchoring techniques and good ground tackle. Um, it's just another tool that may help you sleep a little better at night. Um, but if you're not comfortable with your anchor and your ground tackle and your, uh, your actual process of anchoring, I'd recommend you get that down first before you worry uh, too much about the anchor alarm. 
good point. And, um, you know, having been awoken during the night by an anchor alarm in the past, it is reassuring to know that that's there so that if conditions change or something happens and the anchor does drag, you'll know it before you're in, in trouble. Um, so particularly for someone who's new to anchoring and wants that extra reassurance, um, just in case, uh, it's a useful tool. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it does add a little peace of mind for sure. It certainly does. Um, we also get a lot of questions at AGLCA about anchor etiquette. So for those who haven't anchored a lot or, you know, perhaps have just anchored on a day trip and while they, you know, got out of the boat and dinghy to shore or something along that line, um, people are, of course want to be good neighbors. So what is the etiquette? What do we need to do to ensure that we are being good neighbors if we're in an anchorage with other boats? Okay. Um, the, the first thing is to realize whoever's at the anchorage first, they kind of set the the tone for the anchoring uh, as far as how much scope is out. Um, and if you're, you're unsure, uh, give them a call on the radio or, or swing by and ask them how much scope do you have out. Uh, if you've got, um, if you're in a large anchorage, um, don't go anchor by the other guy. Uh, you know, he might be there just wanting some peace and quiet, which uh, it goes along with anchoring. Um, you know, you, you see fishermen, uh, you know, somebody fishing, you go over there, must be fish there. Well, you, you find that at anchorages also, uh, uh, somebody's anchored and so boats collect around them, but uh, give them plenty of room. Um, you, both, you need the physical room for, uh, for your, be able to swing around your anchor, but also for their peace and comfort. Um, another thing is uh, kind of quiet time uh, and operating your generator. Uh, understand people are out at anchor again for some peace and quiet um, they don't appreciate generators running uh, all night um, usually you know by by dusk you know you might want to be shutting your anchor down your uh, generator down depends upon the time of year though too because mm -hmm. it dusk can be five o'clock in december <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you've got to run your generator to cook and most people are, are understanding of that um also, uh, music, loud noise uh, travels uh, uh, across the water. Uh, you can hear people often in a quiet anchorage just talking on their boat. So uh, just be aware of that, mindful of it. And uh, again, back to the generator, also operating it in the morning. Uh, don't, don't start up too early. You don't want to be waking people up with your, your generator running. Um, Another piece is um, anchoring too close. Uh, a lot of people, if you, they think you're too close, you'll see some uh, visual clues. They'll be standing on their, on their bow, looking at you with their arms, uh, their uh, hands on their hips. And uh, I've heard it called bitch wings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be a good uh, uh, cue that uh, somebody thinks you're a little too close to them. <laughs> um, if somebody anchors too close to you once you're settled in, uh, you're, you're probably not gonna get them to move or, or if you're not comfortable with the way they anchored, uh, you don't think their technique was quite up to snuff and you're concerned about it, um, best bet is for you to actually move and get into a better position uh, than trying to convince them they need to do something different. We've done that and have never regretted the move. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and that, that is good advice also from the etiquette standpoint that, you know, that's another, just one more reason why you need to be confident and capable in your ability to anchor. If you start to notice your neighbors all moving from around you, you may have done something wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, so keep that in mind. Um, of course, for those who are new to anchoring, I mean, in some ways it's similar to camping in terms of you don't have all of the amenities that you're used to. Um, but if you're new to anchoring and you really haven't camped, some of the things you may not think about right off the bat is the need to conserve on things. You don't have unlimited energy like you do if you're at a dock. So what are some of the tips that you might have for conserving energy while you're at anchor? Well, it's the same thing you learned in kindergarten. Turn the lights off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just turning things off and um and just keeping them unplugged as well and um doing things like keeping your refrigerator defrosted your refrigerator is probably going to be your biggest energy user and um you can also conserve energy if you're intending to stay at anchor kind of long term um like our boat has an additional like drink fridge. You could probably turn that off and maybe put a few drinks in at a time in, in your big fridge instead of having running two refrigerators, that type of thing. Um, the other thing that we do is we use a coffee carafe. So we make coffee in the morning and then we turn the coffee maker off because we have an inverter, which means we're actually making the coffee off of the energy from the battery. And so we'll turn the coffee maker off, pour that hot coffee in a craft, and we're not using an energy then to keep our coffee hot while we sit on the back of the boat and enjoy the peace and quiet, that kind of thing. Scott, do you have anything else to add to that? Um, I would say, you know, energy, water, all those things, it's almost a, a mindset. You know, as you think about it, you realize the areas that you're wasting. It, it takes a little bit of time to really kind of get the hang of it, I, I guess you might say. You, and you do get mindful of it after you've been at anchor and you're like, oh, what happened to our battery? It's like, oh, we left that fan on all night. Should have turned that off. You know, <laughs> you, you, you learn from your own mistakes. Sure. So, um, you know, keeping in, in talking about the energy conservation, and you mentioned an inverter, um, which of course is, is hugely helpful if you're at anchor so that you don't have to run the generator constantly. But um, talk to us a little bit about the inverter. Uh, how different is it on different boats? Um, what types of devices or, or appliances or things like that can the inverter power? You know, you can't run the whole boat all the time. So talk to us about what to know about the inverter. Okay. Uh, an inverter can be anything from a small, uh, 100 or 200 watt plug-in um, that you would plug into like a cigarette lighter in your car in order to let's say charge or or run a, a computer or a small appliance that doesn't have a USB charger or if your boat doesn't have USB chargers. Um, on all the way up to many thousand watt inverter systems with huge battery banks that you can run virtually anything you want off your boat and anything in between. Uh, an example, we have uh, a thousand watt inverter. Um, it's just enough for us to, uh, you know, run our coffee pot, uh, um, run the computer. Um, we can run a uh, crock pot. I crock can run pot. a crock, crock pot while we're underway with that. We can run the toaster. 
So there's a there's a lot of little things that just make it a make it a little more like home. Mm-hmm. A little less camperish. <laughs> right. <laughs> and of course, you know, a lot of the things that use a good deal of power do happen to be appliances that are used in the galley. You know, we mentioned the, the crock pot, the coffee pot, the toaster. Um, what are some tips that you have? And you've already mentioned, mentioned the refrigerator, keep that defrosted in, in good working order. Um, but cooking itself, um, there's ways you can conserve energy or space or water. Um, so tell us about some of your kind of make ahead things before, if you know you're gonna be spending a few days at anchor, what are some of the things you prepare food wise ahead of time? Well, um, hard boiled eggs are a great thing to do ahead of time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They are, you can make um, egg salad sandwiches, they can be breakfast, they can, they're very versatile to have pre-made and they take a fair amount of energy to boil water and um, cook them if you're at anchor. Um, when I'm cooking, typically I'm gonna have the generator running and you do need to run your generator periodically to, um, to charge your battery banks. So we often will, reserve that time to when we really need the generator to run a stove, um, that kind of thing. But what I have found is one of my best purchases is a seal a meal. So it vacuum and seals food. Um, not only does it get rid of a lot of trash to start with, it also allows me to cook things ahead of time and seal them and they aren't making a big mess when they defrost. They're very, I can throw them in a little bit of water or I can just set them out on the counter. Um, the things I often will do um, is like pre-cooked chicken items. You can make quesadillas, you can do chicken, um, chicken Southwest salads. I mean, there's any number of things you can do with cooked chicken. Taco meat's another thing that is great just make nachos, very easy. Um, also, uh, my, my latest d- discovery and success is pasta. Pasta takes a fair amount of energy and time and water to cook. So I often cook that when I'm at the marina and then I put it in my seal a meal bag and vacuum seal it and just defrost it, throw it in the, in the microwave for a few minutes and, and it comes out perfect. So by doing those types of things, I'm eliminating trash, I'm saving space. So spaces in your, in your um, freezer is important um, by not having all the extra packaging and saving on the amount of trash you have and the, the amount of time you spend cooking when you're out at Anchor is limited so that you can enjoy it. Right. Great tips. Uh, I love that. Um, the taco meat, especially. <laughs> I like my nachos. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> so you mentioned trash a couple of times so far, um, and that is something that all of us, even at a dock, really tend to take for granted because we simply just, whether we're home or at a dock, just deposit it in, in a larger receptacle that somebody else comes and takes away for us. So obviously that's not going to happen at Anchor. So what are some ideas for handling trash. And there's uh, some wildlife concerns there too for trash. So share those with us. Yes, there are. Um, like you said, you, you take trash pickup for, for granted, uh, the ability to get rid of it until you're out at anchor for an extended period of time. One of the things we uh, 
first off uh, do is try and get rid of trash while you're at shore. You know, when you come back from uh, provisioning, uh, get rid of as much of the packaging as you can. Karen al already mentioned uh, uh, she seal me seal a meal. She'll take meat, even if she's not going to pre-cook it, out of the packaging that it comes in and put it in a seal a meal because it, it takes a lot less space and a lot less trash. Um, we try and separate our wet trash from our dry trash. Dry trash is pretty easy to uh, store. You're, you're not worried about it dripping or smelling or anything like that. Um, it's the, the wet, icky trash. That's the, the trash that's hardest to take care of. Uh, you, you, you'd mentioned uh, uh, concerns about animals. Um, you need to have a, a place, and I would have it outside of my cabin, um, to store the trash in a sealed container of some sort to keep the smells down so you're not inviting uh, unwanted guests on board. Okay. We also, you know, we've been talking about energy and um, general conservation tips. That also is going to apply to water. If you're not at a dock and don't have water running to your boat or the ability to fill the tanks, you only have a certain amount of time until that water is gone. So what are some tips that people maybe wouldn't think of ahead of time, you know, because they're not used to having to conserve water to that degree? Uh, how can you make that water last? And do you have any idea for the two of you, for example, of, of how many gallons per day you use typically at Anchor? Yeah, we've kind of evaluated it. Um, you need to be, you, you get that same mindset of being very conservative with your water. So turning the water off in between, you know, you wet your hands and you wash them and then you turn the water back on and, and rinse them. Same thing with a sea shower, get yourself wet, then wash, put soap up and then rinse down. Um, we do things like maybe if we have spaghetti that's kind of icky, we'll pre-wash in um, some raw water and then use our fresh water to actually wash it. And then we also do, um, we do our, our dishes once a day. It takes a certain amount of water to fill up your sink and, um, and to rinse all those dishes. And we found by doing it just once a day, it took a lot less water. Plus we often did it after our you know, dinner meal because we're gonna typically run our generator to run our stove because we don't have a gas stove. And that will also heat our hot water. Some, some boats, their engine will heat the hot water, some do not. So by the time you're done with dinner, um, you'll have hot water to wash, to wash your dishes and just do it once a day, then do all your dishes all at one time. We have come up with, um, the boat we did the loop on, we had 130 gallons of water and uh, we could, easily go 10 days and we could really scrimp and go about two weeks. About two weeks. What did we come up with, Scott? Like 10? 10 gallons of water for us as a couple per day. Per Just day. kind of as an average. And, and did it take time for you to get to that point, you know, by finding different ways to conserve water or was that something you found, you know, you were at 10 gallons for the both of you per day, pretty much right off the bat? No, uh, we got we we've gotten better at it as mm -hmm. as we've gone. You know, like mm -hmm. you said, uh, it's a mindset. You know, you start realizing, oh, I'm wasting water here or there. Right, and and often we kind of learned that by 
we, we knew we had this extended, we wanted to spend all this time in Kentucky Lakes and didn't want to spend a lot of time in a, in a, at a marina. So we're like, okay, let's, let's be on the ball right from the beginning. And all of a sudden we're like, wow, we went through a lot of water. And then we evaluate how we were living and went, ah, okay, let's change that. So you learn from your own mistakes and, um, and there's water available. It just is an inconvenience sometimes to go get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's, uh, this is probably a good time to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. And uh, when we come back, we'll kind of move on to another limiting factor with on how long you can stay at anchor, which is the holding tank. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about being at anchor back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly, and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA ship store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio today. We're talking with Scott and Karen Duvall of Capable Cruising, and they're giving us some tips on really that is going to help make time at anchor much more enjoyable if you're prepared for this conservation mindset that we've talked about a few times. Um, and another one of those things that is a limiting factor on how long you can be at anchor is your holding tank. So, uh, you know, generally, I don't know if there's kind of a benchmark. I know every boat can be different. You know, how long, how frequently did you find you had to empty your holding tank and how can you possibly uh, extend that period of time? <laughs> Great subject, huh? <laughs> Isn't it fun? You always have to, get, it always comes back to this and boating at some point, <laughs> you have to cover these subjects. It absolutely does. Um, our, uh, our last boat had a holding tank um, of 40 gallons and we found we could go uh, again 10 days to you know two weeks uh, being very careful with it um, again a lot of it depends on uh, the type of uh, system you have and how much water it uses we, we had uh, one client that uh, figured um, how many ounces of water per flush and how many flushes they could do per <laughs> tank. And she, she, was, she was an accountant. <laughs> I don't know how well that's worked out for, but uh, we'll have to ask him one of these days. <laughs> um, one, uh, one, one thing to remember if you're, in a, if you're cruising in an area where you can get out into a, an area where you can discharge your, your tank, um, out past the three mile limit, you are allowed to uh, pump your sewage overboard. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing ex extends the, the amount of time between pump outs. Um, you know, sharing flushes, uh, you know, again, a great subject matter. <laughs> In this <laughs> land of fun and sun, we don't flush for number one. <laughs> um, so th those, those types of things, uh, being mindful of, uh, you know, of that and, and how comfortable you are 
with doing that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can pull into a, a marina and get a, a pump out. Uh, you know, you might want to buy a little fuel from them. You'll probably pay for a, a pump out, especially if you're not buying fuel. Um, so, you know, there is, there is that option. It's just not that convenient sometimes to have to stop. Sure. The other thing is, is to make sure that when you do go ashore, and usually when you're at anchor, you're going to go hiking or whatever, and or you might be taking your trash to a boat ramp or something to get rid of. A lot of times they have um, facilities there that you can use. So use the public facilities and uh, when you go ashore and save, save your tank. So moving on to kind of a different spin on being at anchor. Most people finish the loop and they come back gold loopers and if you ask them what the um, best part of the loop is, they usually say it was the people that they met. In fact, you know, it's such a high percentage that tell us it's the people they met that made the trip for them. Um, so I think some people certainly anchor, as you mentioned earlier, Scott, for that isolation, for that peace and quiet. Um, but at some points you may still want to be social or perhaps you're a very social person but want to be at anchor a lot for other reasons, whether it's the cost savings or, or whatever other reason you might have chosen to be at an anchorage. Did you feel that by anchoring out so much, you missed out on any of those social aspects that people talk about for the Great Loop? I don't think we did at all. We, we spent enough time in marinas. We did 167 days at anchor on the loop, but we did go to marinas enough to get the big crowd feel of things. But what we found at Anchor is the people that we met at Anchor, you got to know them on a more personal level because it's just you and them or just, you know, maybe three couples and you really get to know them much better than when they have the big docktails at a marina and there's, you know, 20 people there and you hardly get to know any of them. So after our loop, we kind of evaluated our, our friends that really became kind of lifelong friends and many of them were people we met at Anchor, which we thought was interesting. And did you find that once you did know others who were anchoring in a lot of similar places, is it fairly common to raft up or does everyone maintain their kind of their own space at the anchorage? Boaters are a very social group and in, in not just loopers, but in general. Um, I would say the, the social activities in an anchorage in general, um, especially with a group, something like the AGLCA, when you've got a burgee on the front of your boat, um, <laughs> that burgee is almost an invitation. We almost always will dinghy over and say hello if we see that burgee and, and, uh, um, and, and are definitely more social because of that burgee, but um, yes, yeah, Scott wants to say something. Um, I was just to the to the question uh, on rafting or not rafting with other boaters. Oh. Uh, we we rafted occasionally. Uh, there are some areas that it was a, a, a definite necessity. Um, you want to be mindful of where your generator exhaust is when you're rafting with other people. Uh, that that sure helps out because everybody generally has to run it at some point. Um, yeah, I would say we we didn't uh, raft off uh, very frequently, but uh, oh, occasionally. We did. Occasionally. Yeah. Okay. I did want to talk a little bit about dinghies because they are kind of an integral part to enjoying your time at Anchor, but 
that's a pretty long subject and I don't want to go too far over time. So I think we're going to hold it where we are. And if it's good with you two, we can have you back at some point in the near future. And we'll talk about the dinghy requirements um, to help you enjoy your time at Anchor more. Sure. Sure. They Absolutely. would love to. Um, I do want to point out if this is a topic that is interesting to you, uh, Scott and Karen have done a webinar on this for AGLCA. If you go to greatloop.org slash webinars, you'll see all of our upcoming webinars as well as those that have been recorded and are available. So this will, is listed there. Um, and in addition to the types of things we talked about today, there's lots of uh, beautiful, fascinating pictures in that webinar that Scott and Karen present that really show you the types of things that they experienced because they were at Anchor. So if this is something you're intending to do while you're on the loop, definitely check out that webinar. Scott and Karen Duvall, Capable Cruising, thanks for joining us again. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Kim. Enjoy your day. Thank you, you too. And to all of our listeners, thanks for listening once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Oh,